hear something inside me say, I really don't think you're strong enough. No, autotone. Do you believe in life? That was the autotone. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Well, good stuff. We have a name. We finally came up with the name. Oh, mm. yeah, we do. Tell, tell, tell us the name. RTS for Recorded Therapy Sessions because we realize it's just us talking to each other about things. <laughs> and it's more for us than it is for you. You. Sorry. I'm really at least sorry at this that. point. You, the listener, who we don't have. Well, yeah, that's true. And we also realize that we need to establish more of an identity, too. Mm. so i'm jake joined here by david hartsaw that's me that's david and we got wayman over in the corner just dozing off oh man (sighs) we try to make it comfy when we record for our good therapy it's better for the therapy it's a double-edged sword (laughs) wow wayman just starts nodding off Uh, i'm about to nod off right now this is not the time but it's so why don't we paint a little mental picture for everyone who's Mm. really wanting this uh it's a part of therapy as well as to do visualizations it's true so uh want you all to come to your happy place just kidding come to wayman's happy place it's right here we're at his place right now. Ooh. He's the host. I am. Oh, today. Thank well, you, Wayman, for the nabe. You are so welcome. Oh, wow. I'm glad you enjoyed dinner. Happy nabe. <laughs> Wayman right now is curled up in the corner of his couch. The big, plushy, beige couch that he has here. <laughs> it's a sectional. He is in his pajamas. I am. High as a kite. <laughs> no, no, he's no, not. No, no, no. no. Uh, from, from that nabe, you know what I mean? That's true. Szechuan, Szechuan pepper is doing mm. that. So, today we're, ta- <laughs> today we're talking about aging, maturity, lifespan, that's the topic. Okay. <laughs> so, specifically something I think we should cover is that David brought it up. It's the topic of maturing versus growing up. Because mm-hmm. I think there's some interesting distinctions between those two things. Mm-hmm. How so? And we're just no chill. We're just diving right in. Yeah, let's go. (laughs) Let's get it. Well, okay. I was thinking about this earlier. I think what it comes down to, growing up is the physical act. Maturing is the mental act. Oh. Right? Wow. Because when you're growing up, that's that's you just getting older. That's how I view it. Physical versus mental. Mm, I I think there has to be a lesson in order to mature. Right. Growing up is the physical, like you are just Mm -hmm. getting older. Maturing is the, oh, I've had this experience. I acted this way. In the future, I need to act this way. Okay. You brought up a good point, which is a lesson learned. If you took someone who never learned any lessons throughout life, would they never mature? Yeah, I think so. I think that they would not mature. Okay. So it's like acquiring these little nuggets of understanding and principles to act upon that demonstrates maturity. I'd say the biggest thing for maturity for me though, and I'm going to unpack this as I just ramble for a second here. The immature people that I encounter in life are when you expect someone of a certain age to be tactful, respectful, or cognizant of the people around them. They have a social awareness. They have a sense of how saying one thing could impact someone else. They are empathetic, those sorts of things. If someone is lacking in that empathy, social awareness, and such, that's when I would consider them immature, which I guess that probably ties down to they've learned lessons of, oh, 
when I say that thing or make that specific joke in front of these types of people, they really don't like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that all, I think it all relates the social awareness, learning from past experiences. And I think it's gaining knowledge and then knowing how to use that knowledge. You know what I mean? Because you could, it's a good, if you're the example that we're talking about of making the same mistakes over and over, mm-hmm. that's someone who's constantly been given knowledge. They're like, hey, you just did this thing. This outcome was not great. Here's the lesson. Here's the knowledge. And that person's going, yeah, whatever. I don't need it. And then they do the same thing over and over again. Ooh. And then they're still, it's like life is constantly being like, hey, here's some knowledge. Don't do that. They're like, yeah, whatever. And then they do it again. And life's like, dude, here, some knowledge, man. Like, don't do this again. You go, yeah, I'm going to do it again, though. <laughs> and then it just keeps that. Whereas the mature person would be like, oh, I did this thing. Here was the outcome. Hmm. Not a fan. Let me okay. try this next time, right? So it does require then an experience or several or some form of education, probably exposure, probably experience. But that's a necessary step because without being handed that little nugget of knowledge, you couldn't ever embrace it and then change your behavior. No, totally. Dude, dude, I think this is where we get this beautiful intersection of growing up and maturity, Hmm. joining forces and intertwining because you have to grow up physically and you have to experience new things to learn from them and gain the knowledge and then use that knowledge to create a new trajectory. Now we're getting to a fascinating topic. Ready, boys? So I'm warmed up throughout life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm warm. If the idea of maturity requires experience and to take that experience and learn from it, this goes back to a topic we were talking about last week and the week before that. If you get into a life of stagnation, then you could lead to never maturing because you don't get new experiences. And without new experiences, you can't have new knowledge nuggets of wisdom on how to change your behavior to be just a better person in general, I guess. Exactly. You feel? Yeah, dude, totally. I don't know. I'm going to challenge that one because there comes- Okay, I want to hear this. Because there comes a point where, and, and I'm not a person of stagnation. That's, that's just me. But there comes a point where that specific individual has told themselves, I've done everything at this point. I'm at the mature level. I've level capped. Like if I was just to put in a video game mm-hmm. perspective, I've level capped. <laughs> I've spent all my points to those specific buckets. I'm done. And at that point, they're mature to a specific level. And then they keep going into that same growing up, but still at that same maturity level. In some cases, right, we can talk about like kids. Wow, that kid is super mature for his age. And then at that point, it's like, well, are they going to go up from there? Or are they going to keep at that level even when they're growing up, even when they're physically aging throughout their entirety of their life? That's a really good point. Interesting. And I think that calls into question, I guess, are knowledge and maturity necessarily tied together all the time? What is maturity? I think the bigger question is, what is maturity? That is a really big question. Even me, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm just like, what What can I classify as maturity? Because there's no real age because you could still say an 80-year-old man is immature or like maybe hasn't grown up in a way. But in his perspective, he has grown up and matured and experienced enough to where he's done. Say, for example, like technology, right? So a lot of older individuals, and including us too, even in our generation, they're like, I don't want to learn anything about technology. If you give me a phone, all I want is a flip phone. They don't want to take the time to understand (laughs) the smartphone, you know, Facebook and stuff like that. And they're just set in their ways. For me, that could be that they're at that level, specifically maturity in their life for that specific area, maybe. Interesting. I'm not... Okay, go ahead. 
No, I just think, so for that topic, I think this is where we're drawing a difference between yeah. knowledge and maturity, mm. right? Because learning, learning new technology is not, I don't view that as maturity. That's a different, I think we need to draw a line between knowledge, ac- I don't, that's tricky. You know what All I'm right, getting let me, at? Let me take a swing. Yeah. So I think if we were to define maturity, I'd say when I think of someone who is immature, it's someone who doesn't know how to act appropriately in a specific circumstance. So with maturity comes a sense of appropriateness, basically. <laughs> so I, I'd say that's the gauge for me is when you say, for instance, that kid is mature for their age, I'd wager that probably meant that you saw them in an experience that you don't think most children would be in by that age or would have experienced by that point. They wouldn't have had the knowledge to know how to appropriate respond and react in that situation, but they responded really well and appropriately. They did the positively expected thing. And that was surprising to you because you're like, oh, I'm pretty sure I've seen other kids in this circumstance not knowing what to do and therefore acting inappropriately. And then he said, oh, well, of course, because they're young and mature. They don't know this experience. But anyways, what do you guys think about the definition on the lines of appropriateness being synonymous with mature? Well, and that's what I was going to say. I feel like at this point, from what we've been discussing, maturity is, it sounds like, if I did define maturity, it sounds like it's the expectation of a certain choice or decision. You know, using a child example, something happened on the playground, they acted in a certain way, and you're like, wow, they're really mature. It's because you didn't expect them to act in a certain way that shows like almost wisdom beyond their years. Yeah. Sort of, sort yeah, of thing, yeah. you know, not not verbatim like that example, but... Uh, dude, th- this we could go so far into this topic. Like, we could keep unpacking this whole <laughs> maturity thing and knowledge acquisition too, or expectation of right action. Hmm. But Wayman, are you are you with? I mean, I'm with you. But let's take an example: the meme "OK Boomer." Okay. Boomer. So, OK Boomer, is that a maturity thing? Like, we're saying OK Boomer to individuals that have grown up and they have experienced certain things, but they may be set in their ways in certain views and aspects and is it one of those things like oh that person is not mature enough to be empathetic to the situation currently or is it just more of like us saying you know okay boomer thanks for all your historical uh things that mean nothing to us well first thing with the okay boomer thing it's it's like (laughs) it's not baby boomers of millennials it is simply this has been happening for generations. It's old people versus young people. Mm, that's yeah. that's all it is. The older you get, the more set in your ways you get. You look at the younger kids, you go, they don't understand because I've been through all this life. And kids, the younger generations don't have that experience. So like, yeah, whatever, man. And then the younger generation gets older and they do the same thing. Like it's the, it's, <laughs> you know. It's like a circle of life. It's just the circle of life. Oh, it, that's what that song's about. It's a circle of life. It's about boomers and millennials. <laughs> Is it really? <laughs> I don't know Swahili. Dude, sure. I mean, literally, it's a circle. Of, like, it's a circle. Like, it's a repeating act of history. I thought we were talking about shapes on a chalkboard, but... I'm huh. just kidding. Wow. Lion but, King. Okay. I, sorry. I mean, just kind of going off of maturity, because, like, that's... To me, it's, it's almost like we're putting a social standard for a maturity level. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's getting back to that idea of... Yes, it is social in the sense of everybody has certain expectations, which is what Jake was touching on. And I think we expect the appropriate behavior. And that's all social norms, right? Which are expectations, which are social 
well, you know, and, suggestions. So right? I guess like the other thing would be, for example, and yes. this has happened to me a lot, especially uh, when I went to college, we would have students that would be homeschooled, right? Mm-hmm. And so their maturity level for, you know, outside interactions, their actual standard of normal behavior or maturity is different from those that actually, you know, took part in regular school systems, like public schools and stuff like that. So they're missing something. So would you consider them at that point immature and not have grown up yet? Or is it just more of they have not experienced? Both. I was going to say, no, I wouldn't consider them immature because we don't know how, you know, I feel like this is more and more just contextual. Like Mm. it's how do they respond or act in a certain situation right yes that will determine maturity Hmm. i feel like we're also kind of ping-ponging a lot with the maturity and hopefully by the end of this we can wrap it into one just because (laughs) there's so many interesting elements i feel like we're at a trailhead and we got like five trails to go down you know that we could go down (laughs) i want to dive into specific examples these concrete examples of when we're like this is maturity this is immaturity right what do you guys think how about in your own life a time when you've been like I feel looking back at myself that I was immature in that circumstance or, oh, like this really felt like a maturing experience, something along those lines. Wayman, do you have any of those? Honestly, probably when I left to go pursue the culinary, I think that was when I really experienced and then also matured in in certain situations. Because used to, I had this like carefree type attitude where it was like kind of go lucky, like, yeah, I'll do whatever I want and stuff like that. But then the real world, I'm going to just quote unquote, real world really hit me at that point. And that's where I started to mature. I started to gain a little bit more leadership, understanding, um, again, consequences that could reflect on certain choices that I would have made if I didn't gain the experience that I did not only from my previous work, but then also going through the culinary world. Okay, dope. I like that. We'll touch on that in a second. But also throw us with the time where you look back and you're like, hey, I was pretty immature there. Oh, definitely. That was college. That was straight college. Especially, I think, sophomore year to about junior year. Sophomore, junior. So um, year two and three of my college career, especially when I joined a fraternity and I did a lot of partying. I did a lot of things that I now not really regret, but would say I wish I kind of would have changed some things. Does that make sense for my maturity part? Yeah, you did the no-nos. I did a lot of no-nos. Really Uh-oh. bad. What about you, Jake? Well, see, so I think these things go hand in hand mm-hmm. because it was it was around the time that I was moving out here that It was only, and I kind of want to touch on this too. I wonder if maturity comes along with being uncomfortable. Just because in a past life, if you will, before I moved out to Idaho, I was in a very comfortable spot. And so long story short, I ended up moving out here. And it was only after I moved out here and I was uncomfortable that I looked back and I realized how immature I was acting in a lot of different ways, whether it was just with choices I was making or like any any sorts of you know relationships Mm. just i was acting kind of very like selfishly and just very immature in a sense it was only until after i moved out here that i realized those things and then like we were kind of touching on earlier taking that knowledge and moving forward with it and going oh wow that was really immature of me so in the future if this comes up again i need to act accordingly in this way Mm -hmm. so for me like you know the Mm -hmm. immaturity and then i forget what your original question was yeah a time when you looked back and said I was pretty immature then, or a time when you realized 
huh, that perhaps did mature me a little bit. That's kind of the questions I was getting. As an example of either side of the story, when you're trying to gauge it in yourself. Yeah, I, I think it's both. I think a lot of those experiences can. So I think in Wayman's terms, going back to your examples, Wayman, mm. I think we could tie that to this example of comfort. I really want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. So you did something that made you uncomfortable, which was leaving a cush job, right? And you entered a whole new world, a whole new industry, a whole new career path dedicated to culinary. And that probably was uncomfortable initially. And this kind of comes back to this idea of like, I think we touched on this a little bit last week, but some of the coolest things you do in life, you're a little bit anxious beforehand, nervous because, you know, it's a big thing. But a lot of that probably comes from discomfort. And okay, I want to break that down. Moving to a new place where you don't know anybody, that sounds uncomfortable. So would you guys describe discomfort as unfamiliarity with an experience, which again, goes back to this concept of if I'm unfamiliar with an experience, I don't know how to appropriately act or what to expect. And because you can't predict or expect it or put yourself into that situation, you haven't figured out the most mature way to act in those circumstances. Or the experience isn't there yet, therefore the knowledge isn't there. The uncomfortable part is embracing a new experience. I think it can go two different ways in what you're saying. But one of those things is, yeah, it can be uncomfortable and not the best feeling to experience, right? You're, you, that anxious aspect. But then also at the same point, what we talked about on the last podcast is we suck at actual planning and I guess not estimating per se, but just like kind of thinking about planning for the future, right? Predicting. We, predicting. Yeah. Thank you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, but predicting. We suck at predicting. And I think when our prediction goes wrong is when we actually gain experience and a maturity. I think that that's how I gauge maturity. Because, for example, that whole moving from a cush job to a not cush job, but then also uh, doing what I enjoy to do, which was culinary. Yeah. I definitely predicted I would have so much more happiness going into it, which I did. But then at a certain point, the happiness started to fade away. So the cool thing about this is I think your prediction was perhaps flawed because it was unfamiliar. Is that right? Because it's a new experience that you haven't yet dived into. You made a prediction based on, well, whatever experiences that you have, but you didn't have any experience in doing exactly what you did. So that's where it gets into the sense of now that you have experienced it and you perhaps learn lessons about yourself, about those particular experiences, you can say, I've matured and I know what to expect and I will predict better Mm. and act better. Yeah, no, that's definitely just 100% what you just said right there because honestly it was it kind of sucked honestly when the prediction didn't go as planned when you know I took over a place and it just didn't fly as how I predicted it would fly but you tested your north star baby I did test my north star that's still one of my favorite 2020 last time test your north star Mm. Jake you're deep in the there's there's so many things i don't know if i'll be able to effectively say it there's just so much there <laughs> well let's break it down take it one step at a time yeah so yeah we can try yeah. let's refocus what was the what was your original thought or question again okay so i was trying to gather from 
your concrete examples of times when you've felt immature and times when you've felt, oh, this is a moment of maturity for me. I was relating those to the idea of, okay, discomfort is a big factor in it. When you're uncomfortable, that probably means you're going into some new experiences. And to tie that back to what we were saying before, new experiences enable you to learn and take away those little nuggets of knowledge, apply them to your life, take those lessons learned and gain a little bit of wisdom in how to act and how to behave appropriately in those particular experiences and in relation to those things. And it also enables you, based on what Wayman's saying, to have better predictions in the future about yourself in those circumstances. It can be uncomfortable when you can't predict because you are unfamiliar with new circumstances that you're encountering in life. All I'm trying to say is bringing it all together. I still think everything that we're saying is aligned on these concepts. We're just tying a lot of them in, which is mainly maturity requires experience, but gaining new experience is uncomfortable. And maturity also requires that when you have that new experience, you learn something from it. And then once you've learned something, you gain a little bit of wisdom. And I say that is the aspect of maturity that symbolizes growing up maturity and not just aging. I'd agree. (laughs) There's just, there's so much there with, you can still go through all those new experiences and be uncomfortable. I don't think that necessarily correlates to maturity at all, right? It's how you, you do new experiences, you learn new things. How do you use that information moving forward? And maybe that's the determining factor of maturity or not, but there's just so much, so much context behind maturity. There's so much, the theme of tonight for me is just, there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) there's so much going on here so okay i'm gonna divert this and go back to something wayman was talking about which is the problem of us predicting ourselves in new circumstances and trying to envision that who are we going to be how are we going to change what will be different and i want to explore this in terms of when we predict ourselves as specific ages what do we expect of ourselves when we reach the specific age who will be then what about our perspective changes in terms of things like maturity? And then also, I want to explore when we look back how accurate we were about our predictions. Ooh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to give an example. I feel like growing up, I had a good sense of what 16 was going to be like. I was like, okay, when I reach 16, I'm going to be driving a car. I'm going to be going all over the place. I'm going to be going to restaurants whenever I want. I'm going to be living the life. I thought I knew exactly what that was like. When I started aiming higher and I finally hit that mark, I was realizing this isn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. And then I kept looking ahead and saying, what is life going to be like when I'm 20? And I'd say, what is it going to be 21, 22? And one thing that I'd say is surprising I kept predicting that I'd have things really figured out at some point. And then I kept pushing that age further and further back. It's beaten me down enough times to realize I might never have it all figured out. But (laughs) I want to explore those ideas of what did you expect of yourself at the age that you're at right now, say like 10 years ago? Or did you have any expectations on yourself? Like, could you even fathom what it would be like to be 28? Dude, no. (laughs) (laughs) just straight no so what i mean by that is i've always been terrible at trying to predict what i would i would be i think the farthest my brain has gone let's say i was 18 and i was like where am i going to be at when i'm 28 and i think the farthest my thought process has been like when i'm 28 i don't know huh and then just move on like i never really thought it through Mm. but i want to say i completely agree with you i thought for sure 
when I was like 16, well, let's say like when I was 18, right? When I looked forward to me on the cusp of 30, I was like, oh, by that point, Jake will have it figured out. Oh, He'll yeah. know what he wants. He knows what he's doing. He's got it. And now at the cusp of 30, I feel the exact same way. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm never going to have this figured out. <laughs> like I can, I feel like I can hope to gain a little bit of knowledge here and there and have a better mm-hmm. understanding. But I think I've kind of completely dis- discarded that whole notion of, of hitting a certain age and you just, you know it. You're mm-hmm. like, ah, yes, this is, yeah. this is it. This is why things are <laughs> the way that they are. You know? Do you vibe with that, Wayman? You know, I, honestly though, I, I, yes and no. I'm going to give you yes and no. Cause I will say at the age of, let's, let's go deck. Is it decade? No, century. Century is 10, right? No, nope. decade. Nope, not at all. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, century is 100 then, right? Yes. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Not, I'm not 100 years old, I promise. Decade, right? Decade is 10? Huh. Decade is 10, yes. Oh, okay, cool. Thank Good you. Good work. Continue. I'm trying. So um, let's take, for example, the decade thing, right? So 28. I'm, uh, back then I was 18. So 18, I actually... Um, <laughs> my Your math is... <laughs> spot on tonight you are doing so, i'm very proud of you you are doing so well let's see 28 we take uh 28 10. and let's see a century's not a decade and we so subtract we factor the, the carry the two but in years that's 365 days no i uh, yeah that's right 18 that's right thanks guys thank you for being my subconscious thank you so yeah recorded therapy sessions <laughs> <laughs> all right Sorry. so talk about 18 18. Wayman um, at 18. So let's wow. go. Wayman at 18. Um, Who was he? <laughs> technically, I was a broken boy. Okay. Uh, I just actually broken my right ankle oh. at that time. <laughs> That's what you meant by broken boy. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't a, a <laughs> I broken was a broken oh, man. No, <laughs> no not actually. I, I did break my ankle. I um, <laughs> so I technically was broken. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have a metal plate and screws. Okay. Digress. But at the same point, um, I actually thought at this point I would be married. I would have kids. Oh, um, wow. I did actually think I would have a house at that point. So I have one out of three. There you go. So I'm, I'm <laughs> living solid. the life right now. But if I was to give you a question of, did I know what I wanted to do? I did know that I absolutely wanted to cook. I wanted to run a restaurant and stuff like that. That was like my main goal. Uh, have I accomplished that? Yes and no at the same time. Because I did pursue the culinary I did pursue uh, owning a restaurant, not owning a restaurant, but running a restaurant per se, right? Though at this point in my life, fast forward 10 years now, I am in the same boat as you two in regards to, I honestly, I still know what I want. You know, the the North Star or the true North is culinary, right? But mm. in what aspect of culinary? Because if you think about it, there's so many different aspects of actual any career, I guess would be the best way to put mm-hmm. it. Because right now, I never imagined me working at a software company and writing like small script, small code, stuff like that. I only thought of myself being like, hey, welcome to, you know, Holiday Inn Express or welcome home to Old Key West in Saratoga Springs and, you know, doing the hotel part, you know? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I never thought of myself going to the Disney College program. And I definitely learned a lot from there. But to answer your question, yes and no. I did have an uh, an expectation or a prediction of where my life would be and then no because now at this point at the age of 28 i'm not sure of where my path is dude same same du- you can't see the deuces that i'm throwing up <laughs> <laughs> okay same same we're all in the same boat with oh that. same same so where 
the heck does that come from? Our predictions of what a specific age is going to be like. I think it's easy to do when you're younger because you have very specific milestones that you're going to hit. And those are predictable in the sense of, yeah, when everybody's about this age, they'll go to high school, this age, they go to college, this age, they'll have a full-time job. But then we start exploring adulthood and then it gets really fuzzy and we start saying things like, oh, by late 20s, I'll be married, have a house. And then <laughs> that's where it gets tricky, right? So, but where did these adult predictions come from, you know? Well, so here's, this is my take on it, is that when you're younger, you don't have that life experience. So in a sense, it's easier to look forward and just kind of look around you and go, you look at your parents or you look mm -hmm. at any older, maybe older siblings or family members, whatever, or just people that you know, and you don't have that life experience. So just for example, you go, okay, you know, I graduate college or I graduate high school. What's after that? Well, okay. I go to college, graduate, I get a job and then, you know, get married, you move a house, you know, it's all very boilerplate, but then you actually get out in life and you start doing it. And then all of a sudden you realize, okay, I got this job, but I took this job because it was the opportunity available, even though I want to go this route. And all of a sudden now, then this company acquires this company and all of a sudden now I'm here, like so much life happens once you get out to it. Yeah. There's so many unknown variables that you can't predict because you don't know about it when you're younger. Yeah. That's the difference to me. Huh. On that point, I really think it, it confirming or like agreeing with Jake, it is 100% outside influences. That is where our prediction comes from. Because for me, I'm not going to lie, I really wanted the 100% college experience. American Pie, you know, not another teen movie, stuff like that. You know, you see this whole like your age range of, you know, growing up. So like, you know, 16. Yeah, I'm going to be able to drive. I'm going to be able to go anywhere, right? Once you hit 18, I'm going to smoke my first cigarette and I'm going to hate the, myself. You know what I mean? Like, I hate myself for smoking that cigarette. <laughs> you knew that you were going to. That. I was going. No, that was the plan. That was 100% the plan. I can't wait to hate myself when I turn 18. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying hate yourself, but you're like, I'm going to do the things that, you know, that outside influences had on you. Yeah. So like. Obligatory hate phase. I understand. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> But I think prediction or how we age and how we mature is definitely due to outside influences. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 100%, as Jake would say. <laughs> yeah, uh, it just keeps going. But those younger aged predictions are moderately accurate, right? But do you all agree that you kind of had this expectation of yourself in your mid-20s to really have it dialed in? Or late 20s and just be like, it's all set. And then I'm going to be on that even keel of a, a constant state of plateau the rest of my life. As soon as I hit there, like it might take a little while because I'll be climbing the ladder or something like that. But then once I get there, like boom, late 20s, everything will be solidified. And then right up until retirement, everything will be exactly the same. And that's it. You know, <laughs> it all will reach that perfect peak and then plateau from there at like late 20s. Where does that idea come from? How did we establish that? Dude, that's a great question. Because absolutely, I thought, man, I thought the goal was to be like, you know, hit later 20s, maybe early 30s. You know, you've got career on track, the house, wife, kids, whatever. And then exactly, then cool. I just finished climbing up this plateau. Now I can just ride this thing for the next 30 years. And then you retire. And man, how how wrong. I realized <laughs> how wrong that is. Uh -huh. Like how completely yeah. misguided. Where does it come from? I think 
again, it's kind of ingrained in, think about it this way. I think it's ingrained in how it's that youthful perspective of life because I certainly didn't realize how much you need to challenge yourself every day to keep yourself moving and fulfilled and to better yourself. Take a look at your parents or like the standard family mm-hmm. just for all things. When you're growing up, you don't notice your parents change. You don't see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, right? Your parents okay. are the same people and your daily life for the most part is the same thing. So I think that kind of innately installs that thought process of that life trajectory as, oh, well, if I grow up to be like mom and dad, I'm going to have kids and then we're going to live in the same house for like decades and do the same thing, (laughs) come home from work every day. You know, I don't think that you, again, the immaturity part of it, the, the youthful part of you, you don't see the life stuff. You don't see the challenges or anything behind it. At least for my experience with my family, you know, yeah, I had no idea what my parents were going through. Maybe they're struggling with their careers or maybe they were like, you know, uh-huh. what do I do next? Yeah. But they didn't, obviously they're not going to relay that to a 10 year old Jake, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. I do feel that. And I wonder, we could unpack that a little bit about our parents specifically, but I think a recurring theme here is we definitely establish expectations as a result of looking outward at other people at those specific ages. And I guess we're bad at really looking at people in their late 20s and seeing what their lives actually are, or bad at really realizing what our parents were like at that time. For me personally, I didn't really expect myself to reach this age. Not in the sense that I was going to die, but (laughs) I never (laughs) predicted myself aging beyond a certain point. Right. And it seems kind of meaningless to me because I never deeply imagined the age of 25, what that would be like. And I did not expect myself to get here as fast as I did. True. <laughs> Feel that. But I was really wrong about my expectations. So that is concluding. We didn't do a great job of predicting ourselves at this age. Our expectations were a little bit off. <laughs> so the question is, could we have done it better? And if so, how so? Or a better question might be, what did we do wrong? I don't think we did anything wrong. Okay. So if we want to go back to this idea of we base our expectations of future ages based on the people that we see around us, kind of exploring this idea, could our parents have given us unrealistic expectations or was there something different about that, that had we taken a different approach or looked at different people, different times, or was that approach wrong in the first place to look outward? That's what I'm kind of trying to explore here. You know, actually, I was when you put it in that perspective, I honestly think our parents had more patience than we did. I will say right now, I definitely messed up in my college experience or like college career. I definitely messed up. If I actually took the time to do more internships and do gain more Dude, experiences. Yes. Right? Uh, Absolutely. Because the thing is, when I actually got out of an internship, I actually tried to apply for a leadership position at that internship. And they basically were like, you don't have enough experience. And I was like, you're right. I don't. I just literally been A, having a good time at college, B, doing a job that has nothing to do with my college career. And then also to that point, I was impatient and didn't think I needed to take the time to gain more experience because I thought I could do the job already. Dang, dude. So you're saying... Had you followed your parents exactly as they did, maybe your life would be more like what you expected based on like, or your life would be more like what theirs was when you were looking out and saying, oh, that's like what I should expect for myself by that age. Correct. Yeah. If I didn't actually, because my dad was fully go to school, 
go to work, do well in school, do everything that I can to be number one in that field. And then in the future where he's at now, he has a stable career. He's in a position that he can literally tell his boss to, you know, Mm -hmm. pound sand. Oh, you know what I mean? But he doesn't say that because (laughs) he values his job and he wants to do the, the right thing. But to that point, if I took my dad's experience and I took his actual path and I took the actual learning of patience and actually thinking more of college as a job than an actual experience of life, I think I would have been in a different position than where I was right now. Well, too, your parents could have been a good example to look at to gauge an expectation, hmm. but you're not your parents. Correct. <laughs> when am, it comes down to I, it, you're just <laughs> not them. You didn't do the things that they did. So your expectations are all a little bit off and wonky because, you know, turns out you just not. Fa- and I mean, I'm the same exact way, man. Like, I am not my parents at all. Hmm. <laughs> the uh the choices that they made by the time that they reached my age were pretty different from mine right so we're not exactly our parents so the unfortunate thing would be we based expectations on people as an example but we didn't follow their lead or their example and then we still had the same expectations though and that's where we went off perhaps yes uh, that that's basically it well i think number one I think it's natural. I don't think there's a way to avoid the influence of others. Like when you don't know, I think it's innate human nature to look at other people and see what's happening with them and what trajectory, especially those that have raised you, Mm. right? Those that are close to. Right. But what is interesting that I've been thinking about is the topic of knowing all of our parents, it seemed like they had a very direct line of focus, Mm. a very... Mm clear-cut path and i just talked i just talked to my parents about this where both of them when they were 18 when they were 18 they said that they had a clear path that this was the direction that they were going to go and that's that Mm -hmm. okay when i look at knowing us when i when i look at that here we are second half of our 20s and we're going i don't know man like i want to do this but like i don't know and so (laughs) my question is how did why why does it seem to be a thread that for all of our parents, they had such a, I don't necessarily want to say an easier time, but kind of in a sense, they had this path and they're like, nope, this is what I'm doing. I'm going this route and that's that. And we're all, we have like so many yeah. options we have to weigh, you know? Yeah. It seems as though it might be, of course, we might be overgeneralizing, but it seems as though our parents in that generation had much more clarity on where their life was going and how they were planning out and organizing it and what they had to expect. And it was all this like in a direct line, pretty straightforward. Whereas we look at ourselves and we're like, I have a million ideas of what I could be, who I could be, what I could be doing, and I can't decide which. Another interesting part about this is we looked at ourselves at this age and we said, oh, wow, we're going to have all this stuff figured out. Right. But the thing is, back to what Jake's saying, is we kind of have a lot of these options to weigh. Maybe a thing for me, I don't know if this is a overgeneralization now with millennials, but like it's hard to commit to one single thing in the face of a million options. That's 100% true. So actually, let me ask a banging question here. With this idea of perhaps 35 is the new 25, right? Ooh. Okay. <laughs> is is maybe, because when we look at the generational differences, I think the main thing, it's the information. Mm. We are we live in an age of so much information and so uh, a global world that is all connected now. And there's so many options and you name it available. Is this causing 
uh, younger folks like us to delay maturity. Oh my goodness, he's tying it back, baby. (laughs) Because if you think about our parents and even our grandparents, by 25, let's focus on our grandparents. Mm. By 25, most likely you were married, kids, career path, you stayed at that career path. Like you kind of, I don't want to say made it, but in a sense you kind of made it. Mm. But now we look at our generation at 25 and maybe a generalization. I say most 25-year-olds are like, what am I doing? Like, I don't even even know. Like, I have no idea. Is that delaying maturity? Okay, well, in one sense, I could say yes, but in another sense, I'd say, nah, like, based on our definition, if it's all about experiences, on one hand, yes, because we aren't having all the experiences, but on one hand, we still get a lot of experiences, just not those big, classic, stereotypical, like, big milestone life stages of, say, starting the family and stuff like that, getting the house. Those big experiences, yeah, we aren't getting those as soon. So that could be delaying maturity in one sense. But in another sense, I think though to say to take more time to make a decision doesn't necessarily need to mean that that person is less mature. It could mean that they're really trying to vet a lot of good options. And the overexposure that we have is allowing us to explore a lot of options. And maybe, hopefully, what we're doing with our lives is testing that North Star a lot, you know? Getting out there, trying new experiences, trying to explore options as much as we can. But the thing that I guess we're encountering is we haven't made a final decision on any of them. (laughs) Or we make many decisions. We're like, okay, I think this is it. We go test it out. Okay, well, maybe not. I'm going to go test this out and test this out. So maybe it's an extensive stage of exploration rather than a definitive decision. So my next challenging question regarding that exact thing, are all these options and having the ability to explore these options ultimately leading up to our happiness? Oh boy. Can you repeat that question one more time? Yeah. So it sounds on the surface, it sounds like a good thing. This day and age, we have so many options available to us. We can explore so many different avenues. That's great, right? (laughs) Mm. Or is it affecting our happiness in a way because maybe we're pursuing an option. We're going, oh, no, this isn't it. Okay, let me let me start over. Oh, let me try. Oh, no, okay, this isn't it. Start over. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me try. And the process repeats as opposed to past generations where maybe they go, nope, path A is what I'm doing. And uh, I'm just going to. I'm going to live with it. And in a sense, you're happy because you're like, nope, this is the way I'm going. You're not, you're not riddled with indecision. You know, Ooh. I was kind of thinking about this throughout this conversation because there was one point I had a conversation with someone of older generation um, and it was a friend of mine that I worked with in the culinary industry. And what she said was she picked a position that she could do because one, it was safe. She knew 100% that there's no downfall to it, right? And like you said, in this day and age, we have so much information and things that they didn't have before, right? And so we basically kind of flip-flopped in generation and then also maturity too because in their maturity they thought stay in one career go all the way through and then when i get old then i can do other things because at that point they have social security they don't have they have retirement stuff like that but our generation in my opinion is yolo live your best life these things where you only live once so might as well do as much as you can as you're young because when you're old 
you won't be able to do certain things as you were younger. So that's where like a lot of times we see people change their career so many times until they get that one that they really enjoy. And I do think that there is a little bit of stalling and also comes back to the whole thing of we are really bad at predicting. And then also we're really bad at deciding on certain aspects, especially when it's yeah a big life change. <laughs> when it's, I'll just go ahead and agree with that <laughs> right now. 100%. When it's a million options though, right? Right. When you have a million options because you can do anything, any of those options if you really want to. If you put your mind to it, you could become a doctor. You could become a um, a metalsmith. You could become a plumber, you know? But you have so many of those options. You can get confused and you can also feel that if you, I think for us, if we decided, like fully decided to commit to that one career or that one life choice in our age and in our maturity, we have to stick with that. And that freaks us out. And so we don't commit to it. And so we keep changing. And then ultimately, though, we're never, and may, maybe I'm projecting a lot of myself on this, <laughs> just, being, just being honest. Uh, yeah. But okay, so then I will frame it in terms of myself. Yes, I think, dude, I to relate it to myself, when presented with a million options, I inevitably will not make a decision. That's, that's, that's the crux. That's dude. the crux. So I think we as a society think it's great to give people a million options. I think kind of the American way is to promote this idea to give you a billion options for everything Mm. because we think that's freedom of choice. That's a wonderful thing. It's empowering to say you could be anything you want. Right. But that inevitably has a few unfortunate consequences. I'd say three, namely. Number one, paralysis. And by the way, I didn't come up with this myself i uh watched a ted talk called the paralysis of choice <laughs> uh by barry schwartz I like, or, giving credit where credit's due yeah, i appreciate right. that citing <laughs> your sources oh yeah uh, oh the paradox of choice that's what it is and he talks about this in depth but this is something that i'm driving from our conversation though the other things are a sense of dissatisfaction mm. and never being content because and this is partially derived from his thing, I will say. But the idea would be you have so many options, let's say, in... <laughs> actually, Barry Schwartz gives the example of jeans. He's like, he's an older guy. And he's like, back in the day, uh, you know, I, I went to the jeans shop <laughs> and I got my one <laughs> pair of jeans uh. when my last pair tore up and got bad. And I always just got one simple pair and I bought it. I was happy. I loved it. I wore them all the time. I moved on with my life. He's like, about a little while back, I <laughs> I recently went to a, a jean shop and they said, oh, great. What kind of would you like? Would you like blue faded like this? Like they start giving him a million options in terms of color, size, shape, what it can do, whether or not it has this design, that design. And they start giving him a million things. And then he's like, I just want the ones that I always get. <laughs> and they're like, well, did you have them like this, 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 this? And they're like, we can get you the perfect jeans, basically. So Barry Schwartz is like, I try them on. I have such high expectations of what a pair of jeans should be. Hmm. I walk out of that store disappointed almost immediately because they weren't perfect. They they promised me perfection. There's no way I could have got it, but I had this high expectation that became unrealistic. Boom. Couldn't get it. So basically this idea of a million options is I think we have this ideal that we can have the perfect job, the perfect wife, the perfect everything, the perfect house, the perfect location, the perfect car. But what if the perfect just doesn't exist? That's one problem. But again, the other problem being (laughs) we also just can't even make decisions. (laughs) And when we do, we're always looking at other options still and being like, oh, what if I made the wrong choice and the other ones could have been better? That is the huge problems with a million choices. 
Mm. Dude, and you know, I have an example of this that I actually started doing IRL in real life. Oh. For you old, young or younger. Here's so here's sorry. <laughs> no, I started. <laughs> wow. Dude, so you know, one thing that gives me a hard time is online shopping. It's the exact same thing mm. because you can get any retailer and you can get anything from anywhere, right? And I'll look at eight pairs of jackets or whatever. And I ultimately <laughs> don't buy one because I'm like, well, dude, I don't know which one's better. What I started doing is I just go to the store. I did this with my snowboard jacket a year ago where I didn't even look online. Uh-huh. I didn't even try. I just went to the outdoor store uh-huh. in town. I just went to MCU and I just tried on a couple jackets and I bought one and I walked out with it and I love it. Mm. So that's the kind of to, to relate it to that. <laughs> Instead of looking at infinite choices online, I don't yeah. even bother and I just go, no, you know what? I'm going to go in person to the store and the one that feels the best, I'm going to buy that one. Which probably sounds ridiculous to like our parents or our grandparents, you know, because they're like, yep, that's how you acquire things. You go to the store and buy them. You know what I mean? Right, right. Well, we're like, no, that's that's pretty not normal, Jake. Uh you're severely limiting yourself and your potential, right? Right, right. There could be such a sicker snowboarding jacket out there. You're you don't even know. You're missing out. Gosh. What FOMO. I'm trying, what I FOMO, yes. What Wait, I'm trying to say is that options is slowly killing me. <laughs> just get rid of them <laughs> but quick question what is fomo the fear of missing out oh thank you boy it's old people man, right? <laughs> okay uh, boomer yeah but the fear of missing out being you could have missed out on this thing that thing or the other thing once you make a commitment it's terrifying because what if you missed out on some other potentially better thing and when you have the sense of there being a million options out there how can you ever be sure that you picked the absolute best one right oh, right man. you can't <laughs> well we it's weird so on a on a different episode we will talk about this with relationships, but I think at least personally for me, this hits so close to home specifically oh. with relationships. <laughs> oh, wow. That's that, different time, different time. Well, goodness. Yes. That's, that's a hard thing to, to swallow right there. <laughs> You're like, what do you do about We're that? Screwed. How do you, how We're do you, screwed. How do you limit yourself <laughs> in a world where you're supposed to be ultra exposed? How do you limit yourself that's, when making choices? That's not... And again, we're talking about choices in general, but let's take an example of just like a career. Mm. Even that alone, what do you just like limit your options for your career and then just pick one that seems like the best out of the small pile? <laughs> Dude, that's so, it's going to be really interesting in for upcoming generations. I think that right now we're in the information age where we've got yeah. so many options. I right. think we're going to learn that that's not the best for, for like for people. or anything, for people. <laughs> And I feel like there's going to be a weird counterculture or maybe a shift in culture where we are trying to now limit our, now we have unlimited options, but maybe in a sense, we'll try to limit it. So to your question, how do we do that? Yeah, I don't Great question. Let's just go back to <laughs> a caste system where I'm just born into whatever life that I'm getting. That's a whole other, oh <laughs> I'm just man, kidding. like tech, technological advance, good or not. No, I no. could go on for hours, but. But. It's weird because, I don't know, there have been movies on this idea. There have been a lot of people who discuss this idea that like maybe people would just be happier if they had no freedom of choice. I don't think that's true. Or, or I, no, <laughs> but, no, no, no. Lack of freedom of choice, I that does not lead to happiness. No. Happiness. But it's a limited, it's just, it's tuning the dial in. It's mm-hmm. just fine-tuning right. that focus. Also, maybe it's fine-tuning your expectations. I feel like my expectations have gotten unrealistic, no doubt. Yeah, because definitely. I do expect 
Perfect. I set up ideals. See, the other thing about options is you start exploring so many factors that go into every single decision. And I start weighing everything. Every single factor that might apply, I weigh that against all my options. It becomes overwhelming and uh, really difficult to find the best. But I, I start realizing, okay, this affects you know my career. Or this affects my career if I have like the decision career. And I evaluate all these influences and things. And then I say, oh boy, the ideal one would meet all of this criteria perfectly. Let's go find it. What if it doesn't exist? Right. Oh, no. Well, I mean. <laughs> oh, my, I'm going to start crying. But at that point, I think that has, to, <laughs> that has to deal with the maturity factor, right? Because at a certain point, you know that even though you have infinite amount of choices, you really only have a couple. You really only have like maybe upwards of three to five different choices that you can make. And that's where I think maturity really comes in in regards to you're now looking at weighing the possibilities, and I think that only ultimately comes with age when growing up. Because if you think about it, right? When you were young at an age of, let's say eight, right? Let's say eight years old. Somebody asks, what do you want to be? And you're like, I want to be a firefighter. Or you want to be a police officer. Or I want to be a doctor. You really only know about three different options that you would have known. But then now we're coming to an age of where we're 28, 21, uh, you know, in our in our early 20s or late 20s, right? And now we have infinite amount of options. Like we are saying, you know, now we have more possibilities. Even like YouTuber. YouTuber is now a possibility. According to uh, grandma, she'd say, uh, no, that's that's <laughs> not a career. Right? Or Go Twitch. Get yourself a real job. Even Twitch streamer. Yeah. Even like esports, yeah. like all these different um, career paths that we now have. They didn't have that before. Like before it's like, you want to be in the film industry? You got to do cinematography. Okay. That's a really great point. You want to be this person. Here's your trajectory. Now there's like, it's almost a lack of trajectory because now you can, if you want to be an actor, Years ago, you want to be an actor. Okay, you go, you perform in theaters, maybe go to acting school, you move to Hollywood, you try to make it, right? Well, now, if you want to be an actor, you could do that. Or technically, you could start a YouTube channel or you could, you know, like there's so many other different options now. And maybe it's not actor in traditional sense, but there's more venues in a wider place to get discovered or there's more routes to take now. It's not as clearly defined. Like if you want to reach point B, you have to take path B. Now, you, if you want to reach this point, well, you, you know, a number of different ways you could get there. But like coming back to like that age and maturity area, usually we think there's only one path to getting there, right? But when we come with experience, that maturity level, we then ultimately see multiple or infinite amount of paths that we can get to that specific area. That's what I'm I'm thinking at this point. Yeah. And that's the daunting thing, right? Is even if you do, <laughs> let's say we're talking not to like get depressed about something we felt so good about last time. But even if we do have a sense of a North Star, there are a million ways for you to test it and a million different ways that that true star might come to fruition and manifest in your life. And that is, on one hand, it's exciting because it means life is full of cool experiences. On the other hand, it's uh, paralyzing and scary because you're like, which one's going to be really cool? So what do we do? Like we were discussing earlier, how do we, in a world of infinite possibilities, how do we trim down our options? How do we fine tune our spectrum? Oh, gosh. I mean, ultimately. How do we fix ourselves? 
I think ultimately, again, coming coming back to the main topic here, it comes with maturity. Because at a certain point, we can think that there is multiple infinite amount of paths. But with maturity, and especially with experience, we start to call down those paths, right? So for example, just going back to it, culinary. I love cooking. If you see my Instagram. If you haven't known it, in the past podcast episodes, Wayman really loves cooking. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks, Jake. I appreciate you. Uh, that's three for three, if anyone's counting. <laughs> yeah, do we have a marker down of how many times Wayman mentions that? But I mean... <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, no, all right, continue. No, mm. I got you. I yeah. just, like, ultimately, right, I thought culinary was the perfect position. I could cook. I can do everything that I wanted to do. But I found that out of the infinite amount of paths, there was technically only two that I really enjoyed, which one is creativity, being able to create and design beautiful plates that had beautiful dishes and tasted really good. And then two, I don't like people telling me what to do. I like to be in control of the kitchen and being able to say, if I need to buy a new pan, I'm going to buy a new pan. So at that point, I've now matured my career path of culinary to being something that I want to be able to create and be innovative. And then two, having all the control and not having somebody else tell me what to do in my culinary career. Dude, so you're tying back in maturity, baby. Wow. Okay. I'm going to tie back last week too and say, what if the answer is <laughs> to test your North Star? But the next, the next thing that we're learning this week is it only is significant if you can learn from it, aka maturity, which is you take that experience and you say, huh, what does this tell me about who I am and what my options are and whether or not I'm on a good path towards narrowing down these infinite options? I guess... The weird thing would be if we just keep testing and testing and testing, how would you know when to stop? Because then we get to this idea of the 35 is the 25. We are delaying these things, but we shouldn't delay experiences. We should soak them up. There's this concept of exploration versus exploitation, which <laughs> it's actually a computer science thing. And this comes from a TED talk as well. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but uh, it's anything it's, David says uh, is a TED talk. Guaranteed. <laughs> none of these are original ideas. Straight spit in TED talk. Oh man. Word for word. Exploration versus exploitation is this idea of, okay, explore what's available to me. Exploitation is choosing one thing over and over again, because you know, you love it. The classic example is picking where to eat at a restaurant or what to get at a restaurant. Exploration oh, I've seen be, this. I've seen this yeah. TED talk. But okay. The point I'm trying to get at is if let's say careers again is the decision you're making if you compare that to your options at a restaurant <laughs> let's say you narrow it down to a restaurant figuratively okay. that's like an industry or a topic like culinary you've narrowed it down oh, there you love culinary so this will be perfect for you. <laughs> oh thanks <laughs> now you're looking at that restaurant's menu and you look at the food items mm. you start exploring all the food options it's impossible in our lifetimes to explore even even for example if you live in a big city to explore every single restaurant and try every single item on every single menu for instance right let's apply that even broader it's impossible to try every single career right so you can't spend your entire life exploring eventually you have to kind of make a decision and exploit in that sense which is again the commitment phase which is the hardest part but how do you know when and where and how to do that what is the time you know let me challenge you on that one because uh -oh. let's take, for example, online shopping, right? Or just shopping in general, or even just explicitly culinary and restaurants. Reviews. Didn't see that coming. 100% reviews. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jake. 
<laughs> but at the same point, reviews. So like you're thinking about buying a, let's say microphone or even just a mic stand or even let's say a coffee machine based off of reviews, or at least for me specifically. So, so other people's experiences and observations. Correct. However, didn't we just say though that we're not like our parents? So I agree with you, but only if the people that are making these observations about these experiences are very much like me. But at the same point, <laughs> that's it, the problem. Even then, it's more of living vicariously through them, for example. Right. So you don't have to experience it for yourself. You don't necessarily have to experience it for yourself, but you already can think of, oh, that's not for me. Like when I thought about doing medical, definitely not for me. When I thought about doing business, I don't really like to do business, but I like certain aspects of it. So I knew that I individually like doing hospitality, so I do hospitality, which is another form of business in a way, which is more of in like the restaurant tourism area. I love your specific examples. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fantastic. It's great. It's concrete. No, but the, the point that I come across though is that if you are completely basing your decisions off of other people's experiences, are you really experience are you do you really know whether you would like it or not? Because Yikes. I'm learning the older I get that you really don't know something and you got to do it yourself to really know if you're going to like it or not. And an example is in college, I ended up minoring in psychology. And it's a topic today. This podcast is kind of a, a product of this. Of I love just how people think how the brain works. In college, I never dreamed of it. I never dreamed of it. And I could hear a thousand people at, at Marquette could have been like, oh yeah, don't do psychology stupid. My parents were never into it. So they're just like, yeah, whatever. Right. But I was forced to take this class just as an elective. And so I walked in, I was like, this is stupid, whatever. Let's just get it over with. Whoa, psych 101. All of a sudden I'm taking this class. I go, whoa, wait a sec. This is, what is this? This is actually really cool. And then making it my minor for the rest of it. But the only way that I would have found that out is because I I had to do it and experience it myself. Yourself. So my yeah. overarching question is how many experiences, and it doesn't matter if it's buying a product or um, experiencing a experience, very descriptive, nice work, Jake. <laughs> but how do you really know unless you've done it? Ah, Yes. I think that comes back to you as the individual in general. We can live vicariously through individuals. It can be certain situations where we don't have to do everything, right? We don't have to do everything. If we had to do everything, then at that point, you would have to live an infinite amount of lives. Like you would have to press restart every exactly. single day. We have a limited amount of time. We have a limited amount of time. But what we can do is live at the utmost of the present, right? Of being able to do what we can at this moment and then take other people's experience and add that into our experience. For example, TED Talks. These people have experienced certain things. They've actually looked into the theories. They've created these concepts. And now we have experienced it in a different way. How? Dude. Oh. Huh. Okay, something that I just want to add on that though, and at least for me, and this is a topic that comes up with a lot of people frequently, if you are into the whole self-help thing, you can listen to hours and hours and hours and digest so much self-help material and as people that have gone through the experience and and they're giving you so many insights which is great but for me specifically too i don't truly get that i don't truly get it until i have experienced it and so i think my wrap-up is just that i'm learning that i really have to tune other people out and you can use other people's decisions to maybe help educate you as to a generalized path 
But at least for me specifically, the only way that I'm ever going to learn anything is I have to test my North Star <laughs> and I have yeah. to experience it. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not discrediting anything that you said. I'm saying for application to myself. Yeah. I was going to say it depends on the decision. In some circumstances, I'm all on the <laughs> idea that no one else can tell you exactly how you're going to feel when you experience something. So you just need to experience it for yourself. But not everything in life, all decisions in life are going to be like that. And a lot other people can't even experience for you. <laughs> to take a weird example of relationships. <laughs> <I can't. laughs> Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. But uh, yeah. Anyways, so you can gather a few insights from other people, especially, okay, I get what you're saying with the whole TED Talks thing. If there are certain decisions that you're trying to make about you're trying to make a decision about something where it's less experiential based and you're just trying to make the best decision. Right. If somebody has researched the heck out of it and you consider them a trusted source and also you regard their opinion to be pretty similar to your own, then okay, yeah, don't waste your time because you don't have all the time in the world. You have a limited amount of time. If you think you really trust that person and what they have to say and they have credibility and they've clearly done their research, they have evidence to support what they're saying, go with it and embrace that as an indirect experience right. so you can become mature from their experiences. Ooh, that's cool. Indirect maturity. How about that? Anyways, otherwise, there's a lot that you're just going to have to experience for yourself. Yikes. It's like starting, it's like starting your own business, right? Because it's a risky move and it's, it's so st- Sorry, it's so stereotypical, but it's like any entrepreneur who started something, for the most part, friends, sorry, David, but it's like friends and family are going, no, this is a, oh, I don't know about this decision. You could talk to scientists, specialists, they go, well, yeah, the odds are not in your favor, but how many people push through and like, and then they make it happen. They're successful, right? There's always an element of you can listen to other people. You can listen to trusted sources. But what it comes down to with entrepreneurs too, just in this example, it's they said, forget it. I just, I'm feeling this. I'm going to do this and I'll figure it out. And of course, lots of businesses fail, but some, you know what I mean? Like it comes down to you. Wow. Okay. I want to wrap this up because we don't want to go too long on this sucker. Yeah, I but early morning. Here's the deal. I'm struck by the limited amount of time factor. And it makes me think, what should we strive to experience while we can? What should we take other people's words of advice on? But what should we for ourselves experience? All of this honestly struck me after I had this lovely time at Thanksgiving. This uh, cool old British woman was serving me up some delicious food and we were deep in conversation. And at one point in time, somebody says to my friend next to me, oh, enjoy it while you can. And then she turns to me holding this glass of wine and the age of wisdom just glimmering in her eyes. And she says, enjoy everything while you can. And I have not been able to take that image out of my head and the thought, and this all struck me as this idea of age. I was looking at this woman who was so far beyond me in age, having this little nugget of wisdom she's trying to impart on me. And it really had me thinking this question, which is, with the limited amount of time that we have, two things. What should we be enjoying? But number two is, what are things that we can do now that we won't be able to do when we're much older? What can we do in our 20s that we can't do in our 50s or 60s? And what will we enjoy differently throughout different stages of a life? That's what I want to explore before we close this one out. Okay, so I, I've got the answer. What? Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's really what is your answer? I don't. So unfortunately, I'm not going to get into the specifics of what you're asking, just because I think it's too variable. There are so many, like we said, there's so many different paths, and it depends on the person, right? There's so many variables. I think when I when I think about our whole discussion, I think what it comes down to, and really what a sign, one of the biggest indicators of maturity is, it's commitment. And I think it's whatever you do choose or whatever you are in, you can enjoy it to the utmost by just committing to it. Mm. If you are going to do something, do it. Learn for yourself whether you like it or not. If you love it, great. You can continue that commitment. If you do not like it, choose something else and then commit to that until you know whether you like it or not. I think not only is that maturity, Mm. but I think that that will bring satisfaction instead of I think the state that a lot of young people, a lot of us are in where, well, we, we half commit and then we're never truly happy with that commitment because we're always thinking about, well, what about that other path that maybe we could have taken? Wow. Damn. That was deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad. I f- this conversation has just been bouncing everywhere. And all of a sudden, it just clicked in my head right as you were asking that question. Or well, at least I think. That's fantastic. Recorded therapy sessions. <laughs> so yeah, let it be known on record. That is something that I want to work on in 2020 is not only testing the North Star, but look... <laughs> send it you know dude don't half in go all in do it yeah well i also want to there is going to be a certain point where you send it right but then you also had to know when to 30 day return it retract that's what i said that i said send it if you like it great if you don't cut it do the other thing oh yeah you did i'm sorry yeah let's get into that idea because when you get full on sending into into something, you find out that you don't enjoy it. You find out that you're not loving it, yet you still keep doing it and doing it. That is when you're actually not fully committed. Been there, dude. Been there. And so in that sense, it does fit to what Jake was saying, which is, look, just be all in. If you can't bring yourself to be all in because you genuinely just don't enjoy it, then you've got to retract a previous commitment that you made so that you can be fully committed to something else. It's going to be tough to make those decisions and recognize. I have been there, dude. Yes. Where they're really, I could have benefited from a very hard decision, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Send it 2020, right? And I did not send it because it was 2019. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> yikes. Right. But no, you know what I, yeah. Gotcha. yeah. I don't need to repeat. We're on the same page. Wow. I think it comes back to the commitment. And I, I think I'd be willing to say that if we were to wrap up tonight, and kind of the theme, the theme of tonight, or the, maybe the theme slash solution for this, maybe we can all agree that it's commitment. And maybe that's something that we can all take forward after this podcast now is for 2020, maybe we commit. Send. You know what I can commit to you right now? What? Some solid nucks. As Jake says, nucks. that's how you end a podcast. Everybody just gives nucks. Wrap it up. All right, you guys. I'm coming over to Jake's mic. Oh, that was good. I felt that? that one. I heard that one. New tradition now. We got a knock at the end of every episode. Well, I think that wraps it up. Theme, commitment, full send. And thanks for everyone for listening. If you are, again, we're doing this for us, not for you. So, <laughs> 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 till next you. time. Bye. Bye.